one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Thanks for being with us and welcome to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, or you can call Town & Country at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. We're honored to have you with us. You can follow the show on Twitter, Vimeo, Facebook, Instagram, whatever is your favorite social media platform, at BTG Program. You can also check out our website, btgprogram.com. Wishing you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving weekend. This is an encore presentation of the Beyond the Game program. This following segment is from our October 22nd show from this year, 2016. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. want to thank you for hanging out with us. Last season, the Phoenix Suns finished 14th out of 15 teams in the NBA's Western Conference. They had a 23-59 and record. They were 50 games behind the Golden State Warriors, 18 games out of any possible playoff picture. Needless to say, it wasn't an up year for the Suns. We'll have our NBA preview coming up next week. But I doubt we're going to be talking about the Suns because it doesn't seem they're going to be part of this season's playoff scenario either. In fact, they may have a hard time even improving on last year's results. The Suns are clearly looking towards the future, and whenever you have a youth uh, youth movement, how those young players come together is important. How the chemistry works among them is connected to how successful that team's going to perform overall. The Suns believe they have a metric now that will help them gauge the team's chemistry and how selfless their players are. The Suns will track player interaction on the court this season by keeping track of high fives. Wait, what? Yeah, that's right. They're going to keep track (laughs) of high fives. And I think this is an interesting idea. At first, I want to completely dismiss it as foolish. I want to say that this is the... In this era of advanced statistics, this has officially gone too far. It has jumped the shark, which, by the way, do you know where that phrase comes from, jump the shark? I believe it's, is it the Brady Bunch? Happy Days. Happy Days. And it was one of those shows a little before my time because they literally jumped a shark on water skis, right? Fonzie. Fonzie. That's right. Fonzie did it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I think it's a little foolish because coming off the court at a time at a timeout, will a player really have an opportunity to high five every other teammate? I mean, are they going to be able to get to the last guy the farthest down on the bench? Probably not. I tend to doubt it. They're going to be focused on getting to that chalkboard conversation that they have during timeouts, and they're only likely going to high five and connect with those teammates that they cross paths with on the way in. So I think already the data is going to be somewhat skewed. Additionally, in this instance, 
the Suns are going to—they're going to be awful, I think. And because they're going to be out of the so many of the games that they play fairly early, how much high fiving is really going to get done? Probably not that much. I wouldn't think if you're going to just be going through the motions, you're really not focused on team camaraderie. And instead, you'll probably just, you know, give out one or two high fives just because that's what you do. So I, I think it has its flaws and, and it leans to the foolish side. My thoughts on this. Sorry, I, you look like you're about to talk there. No. But what the first thing that struck me is like there's a rule in science that to observe something is to cause a slight change. And if, if these players know that you're watching and counting their high fives, maybe they just start high fiving like crazy to try to be the high five leader. You know, I mean, it's, it sounds ridiculous even saying that phrase. Well, trying to be the high five leader, but I mean, if you're a young player trying to make the team and you're like, "Look, this team thinks high fives are important," you're going to high five everybody. You know, maybe high, that throws off your count. High five in the guy that brings out the water, the people in the oh, behind yeah. the bench in the, the first mascot. row. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well. If you think about it a little further, though, it does have some value. Remember last year when LeBron didn't include Kevin Love in his Instagram pictures and there was a little bit of hubbaloo over that? Had the Cavaliers been using some form of high-five metric, can we call it that, would it have revealed some sort of disconnect between the two? Would they have seen that, you know, LeBron never seems to high-five Kevin Love? Would that have showed something i i don't i don't know it, would they if it did though would they have been able to respond to it of course the Cavs won the title so i guess it didn't make much yeah, difference they're doing lots of high-fiving now but maybe on a team with young potential stars like the suns maybe it should be part of a rebuilding process or part of their building process not even rebuilding you know the yankees teams that won championships in the 70s they were famous for being fragmented for disliking one another. But I, I think those situations are really not the norm. They're right. more the exception. Team chemistry is important, though. It's important to how happy, how content a player is. I would think it would weigh into how much a player desires to return to a particular team. Mm -hmm. What would some type of camaraderie scorecard have shown the front office in Oklahoma City last the last few seasons? Is it possible there could have been steps they could have taken that, you know, would have made the team closer, would have perhaps made it harder, therefore, for to Kevin Durant to walk away from? I mean, I doubt it, but I can't completely dismiss it. Many times, very subtle adjustments can make a difference to how well people adapt or how well they enjoy the situation they're in. And there's no doubt that in any team or in any workplace that there are legitimate opportunities for team bonding. Heck, employers and teams, they're often very intentional about creating additional opportunities for their employees, for their team, for their players to, to bond together. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, which it is, then it only makes sense to figure out some type of measure of how well it's actually working. If, if, if there's a player or a coworker who seems to always be the one who's left out, how can you repair that? For that person, you know, it's the it's it's an empty feeling, and I've been there my whole life. I've actually learned to avoid certain situations because of it, because of it. Now, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. That's that's not it at all. I've been blessed with many friends, but maybe not that ultra close friend. You know, you see on the commercials where they go and they do everything together. You know, for me, that's yeah. always been my wife. But you know, you're at dinner functions, and you know, you got friends around. 
you got a lot of friends there, everyone finds a place to sit. And time and time again, I was always the one who was sort of the extra having to find the open chair. Everyone finds a seat, and then there's mm-hmm. me kind of looking, well, where does that open seat? Uh, again, I'm not telling you this so you feel sorry for me. Those people are all friends, maybe just not the closest. But I tell you that because if an employer or a sports team could identify those type of situations, and they might be able to make those people, people in the my situation that I just described, feel a little more part of the team. Mm-hmm. So I think this high five thing might have some merit, although I think it's it's probably a a poor. That's the poor thing to be judging. Although I think their intentions are good, what they're trying to find out is good. I don't think the number of high fives is really a strong indicator, I guess, but it may offer some insight. Yeah, it's a first step. I'm sure it will hopefully help lead them to finding a better indicator. Ultimately, I would suspect the Suns are going to abandon this idea of measuring high fives, but I think they are onto something and wanting to measure team chemistry, player camaraderie, how selfless a player may be. But bringing this a little closer to home, how great would it be if churches were to were to be able to identify this phenomenon? You know, most churches get their fair share of visitors. Churches get visitors, but how many of those visitors return the following week? Or maybe a better question is how many are still there a month later or who have become infused into that small church body or, you know, in a short amount of time. I see people come to church all the time. I see visitors come to church all the time. In fact, I see numbers of them go forward to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. If 50 people go forward a year, if a couple hundred make their way through your church each year, where are they now? Where are they? In two or three years, your church should have been grown by at least 150 new believers, you know, hundreds of visitors. Where are they? Now, of course, there's numerous reasons that they aren't there, but one of them is most definitely that, they're, that they've never felt included. And after the first week and, you know, after the obligatory welcomes that, you know, they, they were never high-fived after that, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, in light of this discussion— Christians, we have to break that trend. We have to burst our little Christian bubbles. We have to do better at making people feel part of the team, not just to build our local church, but to build the body of Christ. People everywhere, they want what they, they want to feel part of something, part of a community. I guess what I'm talking about is people want to be part of a loving, caring community of friends. John 13:35 says, "By this all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. People are looking for people who will be a friend. Here are just 10 things. I want to give you 10 things about friends which strengthen the bonds, strengthen the chemistry between people, and whether it be a sports team, your workplace, or among the people in your church or ministry. One, a good friend will pray for you. A good friend prays for you. Philippians 1, 3, and 4, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. A good friend prays for you. We ought to pray for one another. A good friend encourages you. A good friend will praise you. Hey, nice job on this. Well done. You know, you're really good at this. How good are you at passing out compliments? Philippians 2.3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. We ought to hand out compliments more often. We ought to 
We ought to encourage and praise one another. A good friend will not judge you. Now, sometimes it's easy to be judgmental about the people we're closest to. That's the people we know the most about. It's easy to judge them. You know a lot of stuff about them. A good friend's going to listen to you. Proverbs 27, 17 talks about iron sharpening iron. And a good friend will tell you the truth. You know, the good, the bad. A good friend will defend you. That's not to say blindly like I think Marvin Lewis is doing. But Mm -hmm. remember, defending someone you love is not done by hiding or covering the truth. Sometimes it's addressing the truth. Ephesians 4.15 says, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. A good friend is unselfish. A good friend will protect you. A good friend will grieve with you. Proverbs 17.17, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You know, if we give more attention to these things, if we try to be better friends to one another. Maybe within the church, people are going to want to be a part of it. Who wouldn't want somebody that's going to pray for you, encourage you, praise you, uh, not judge you, listen to you, tell you the truth, defend you, a friend that's unselfish, who will protect you, who will grieve with you when you have times of hurt. And our churches, you know, we don't have to give out. We don't have to count high fives. What we need to do is love one another and be friends to one another. There will come a time where you, when, when you, you're going to need a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, how much of a friend have you been? And remember, your children are watching. Teach them well. Teach them to be true friends. We have the greatest example of a friend that's ever lived in Jesus Christ. A friend willing to give his life to pay for your debt of sin, to restore your relationship with God. We'll be back right after these brief messages. I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program, which is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart and I get all sorts of pest problems, and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call Town & Country. They really are the best. They guarantee their work, and did I mention they're the best? Save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first. Don't waste your time on other companies. Town & Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that three is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. A very happy Thanksgiving weekend to you and your family. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Beyond the Game program. This next segment is from our November 5th, 2016 program. Hey, oh, let's go. Hey, oh, 
Welcome back to Beyond the Game. We're glad to have you on board for this first Saturday in November. Just seven more weeks or so, Zach, till Christmas. Oh, please, don't tell me that. Halloween is over, so the Christmas ads, the songs, they're they're everywhere. It's like Thanksgiving doesn't even matter. I'm not ready. I'm not ready at all. You have young children. Did did you take them out for Halloween? We didn't. We were going to, and we ended up staying home last minute, but my daughter still had her um, costume. She was a little pirate this year, so we had a little pirate running around. I was wondering if you guys, like, would you be that family that takes your kids out and just leaves a bucket of candy on the porch, or would you leave maybe your wife behind or a relative behind to man the door? Well, if it were up to me, I would just turn the lights off and pretend like nobody <laughs> was home. I'm sort of, I guess, the Grinch that way, but... Um, my wife would make sure that we had lots of candy. We had, we were home and my nobody wife, came, so that was cool. My, nobody came to our house either. What does that say about us? Nobody came. And, and I was wondering if you went out because the fact that nobody came, that means you didn't bother to stop by and you live, what, a mile and a half away? You know. Well, here's the best part. We didn't even buy any candy. Like We totally forgot and we sat home all night. I think, I don't know, I think we watched a hockey. No, there was no hockey. I watched the Monday night football game or something. And at the end of the night, I was getting ready to go to bed, and I was like, oh, nobody trick-or-treated. That's good. Because <laughs> we I had nothing to give away, so I totally we failed at Halloween. full-size candy bars, too. We don't mess around with the fun size. There's nothing fun about a bite of chocolate. We had full-size, so nobody okay. came. Okay, so do you still have full-size candy bars? We do, and, and if you're planning to come to my house next Halloween, you can expect full-size candy bars. They'll be right, year-old well. full-size candy bars, <laughs> but they're going to be full-size candy bars. Your candy bars aren't making it that long. Come on. The tragic and unfortunate events surrounding the death of Miami Marlins pitcher Jose Fernandez and his two friends were made even more tragic and unfortunate with the release of toxicology reports, which confirmed that the 24-year-old star had both alcohol and and cocaine in his system, and that he was legally drunk when he was killed in a boating accident last month. Now, there's been no shortage of people with an opinion on this ever since. Uh, people on social media, in the press, offering thoughts on how, uh, on if the reports should have been released publicly and how doing so has changed or perhaps not changed their opinion on the tragedy. Many of the thoughts offered have been well thought out. They're graceful in their tone, but many others are just, you know, they're ignorant, they're shocking, they're lacking com compassion, lacking consideration. You know, we all live with consequences of our mistakes. Some of us are subjected to living many years with those consequences. Some of us are fortunate, though, that our mistakes have not been so great that they haunt us all our lives. And for some, the consequences of a mistake is never something that they'll get over. And I don't think anybody debates that this was a mistake. You know, mm -hmm. um, it was an error in judgment. It brought about consequences that will not be overcome, certainly for Fernandez. And for others, they're going to live many years with the consequences. His pregnant girlfriend is soon to be firstborn child. But I saw one guy in regards to the public release of the reports. He said, tough. He's a public figure. What? I mean, what does that really mean, he's a public figure? And I know what it means. But in reality, isn't everyone a public figure, just and, some more widely than others? Yeah. Well, the thing that really bothers me about that is that, true, he was a public figure, Jose Fernandez. 
but he's dead. His girlfriend's not a public figure. His unborn son's not a public figure. And they're the ones, along with his surviving family, who are being hurt by this news the most. I I agree with you, Zach. I, I think each of us have probably made mistakes in our past, which we can be grateful are not released in some sort of public document. I mean, I can think of a time where I, I drove when I shouldn't have. I drove to Florida from New York State. I was trying to make it straight through. That's 26, 27 hours, I suppose. And, man, I, 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 was, I was a danger on the road. I'm, I've got my head out the window, the window down. Uh, obviously, the window's down. My head's out of it. You know, the radio all the way up. I mean, I'm doing whatever I can to stay awake and— Man, I was a risk, but God shown his grace and protection on me for whatever reason. And that particular mistake and all my stupidity carried no consequence, no embarrassment, no pain. Not so for the mistake on, on Jose Fernandez. And I, I guess I understand that the authorities release such reports as part of their procedures, as part of their jobs. But does the media really need to pick up the story? No. I mean, what purpose does it serve? And I know that journalists are taught that it's their job. I know that editors are racing each other to get the story out. But sometimes the decent thing to do sometimes is to just not ask certain questions, maybe to not even pick up the story at all, uh, keeping certain details out of the public eye. I mean, what difference does it make? At least why now, when it's so fresh on these families and, and, Mm -hmm. and the friends of these men who lost their lives? As you rightly said, it's not affecting them. It's affecting their families. I mean, what difference would it make if they put this a year down the road? You know, why did, why release it now? Mm-hmm. I, you know, tell the people who have to know, maybe insurance reasons, maybe, you know, investigations. You let you inform the family. But the rest of us don't need to know all the gory details. And I, I don't buy that journalists' safe wall when they hide their callousness, when they hide behind statements like, well, it's my job as a journalist, you know, to ask yeah. the question. I had to ask the question, you know. Right. No, you no, don't. No, you didn't. Jeff Goldblum has a great line in, in Jurassic Park. He's playing Ian Malcolm, the doctor. He says, you were so preoccupied with if you could that you never stopped to ask if you should. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. In their rush to be the first to report it, they didn't stop to ask if they should. You know, authorities have yet to identify who the actual driver of the boat was. A lot lot of evidence, I guess, points to the fact that it was not Fernandez, but they're not 100% sure yet because of these toxicology reports being released. There's a lot of people jumping to a conclusion and slamming Fernandez and making all kinds of slanderous statements. Why? What was the necessity of this? I mean, let's be frank. Even without the toxicology report, uh, did you suspect that maybe alcohol or drugs were involved? Yeah, I don't think it took a rocket scientist to figure that out once you read the details of the accident. Right. Am I the only one who thought that a boat ramming into a jetty at a high speed in the pre-dawn hours was somewhat odd. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you suspected it, what difference does having it confirmed make, really? You kind of thought this all along, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, people don't normally boat at those hours. Nothing good happens after 11 o'clock. You know, obviously it wasn't a foregone conclusion, 
But you had a pretty good idea. I didn't need a toxicology report to tell me this. And for those of you that are now condemning Fernandez, I don't think it's fair to judge him on one mistake without considering the totality of his life. I'm not making excuses for him. I'm not. But his life is not defined by one foolish moment, much like mine or yours or anybody else's is not. He brought a lot of joy to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, he lived a life that was no less praiseworthy as a result of this one foolish mistake. His life was not this one unfortunate moment. You know, everybody that does drugs is not a bad person. Sometimes they're just regular people that are coping with their problems and, you know, in a bad way, Mm -hmm. you know, but they're not bad people to know that a Christian has no compassion. And I've seen Christians make comments and the guy that said tough, he's a public figure, claims to be one to dismiss it as well. It's his own fault. So whatever. That's really troubling. You wonder why people don't want anything to do with your Christianity. I mean, that's not Jesus. That's not Christianity. That's not true Christianity. You could stand on a street corner all you want and with a bullhorn and tell people they're going to hell, but without compassion, you have very little chance of getting through to them. Jesus knew compassion, but he also was righteous. He knew wrong from right. Consider the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. The scribes, the Pharisees, they brought Jesus, this woman caught in the very act of adultery, you can almost get a sense of their self-righteousness, their, their, their arrogance when reading the account. They didn't bring the dude. They brought the girl. You know, and they're trying to trap Jesus. And it's this that same arrogance, that same self-righteousness is, is the same sense I get when I read some people's comments about Jose Fernandez. In verse 5, they remind Jesus. This is John chapter 8, verse 5. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? I mean, they wanted to trap Jesus. They couldn't handle his righteousness, his goodness. They were so envious. It ate him up inside. They were looking for something, anything to accuse him of. So they're trying to set him up. Jesus bent down, writes a little something in the dirt with his finger. The Bible doesn't tell us what, but, man, it's it, don't you just wonder? Mm-hmm. We all wonder. Then he said to the people, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. That's verse 7. And then he continued writing. The Bible tells us that one by one, the accusers were convicted by their own conscience, and they simply left. There was nobody there, so Jesus turns to the woman and asks where her accusers are, and she says, looks around, there aren't any more. And he replies to her in verse 11, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Now, Jesus wasn't light on sin, but he was heavy on love and compassion. A sinful people do what sinful people do. They Mm -hmm. sin. And we're all sinful people, and we're all in need of compassion at times. To those casting stones at Jose Fernandez, especially those of you who claim to be Christians, Christ followers, I might say the same thing to you that Jesus said. He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone. Jesus is willing to forgive all sins. The thing is to not repeat it over and over. The tragic thing for Jose Fernandez, he's not got that opportunity, that mistake cost him his life. And forgiven or not, we may still have to live with the consequences of our sins. The person whose drunken driving accident left them in a wheelchair may get forgiveness of sins, but they're more than likely still in the wheelchair. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change the consequence. With better choices, Jose Fernandez 
you know, maybe that accident could have been prevented. And maybe you feel differently, but I don't see the sense in immediately releasing the toxicology report, at least publicly anyway. We don't need to know all that. But a hardened response and saying it's just too bad because he brought it upon himself, that's not a true Christian response. A true Christian response is is one of love and forgiveness. You know, you look to, you, you want to know the true Christian response, you only need to look at the cross. With better choices, perhaps our sins could have been prevented. You know, you know what it is that trips you up. Is it lust for women, pornography, lying, cheating? Have you stolen something? Sins have cost you your place in heaven. We're forced to spend our lives after we die in hell paying for the debt of our sins, a debt which can never be repaid. But Jesus Christ is heavy on love and compassion, as I said. And as with the woman caught in adultery, he's willing to forgive you too. But we must accept that. We must actually accept the free gift of eternal life in heaven with him. That means admitting to God that you're a sinner and knowing that the cross is not only true, but it's sufficient for forgiveness. You need to admit to God that you believe Jesus rose from the grave and defeated death. And you need to ask him to forgive you of those sins and accept him as your savior from an eternity in hell. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Admit to God that you're a sinner. Repent of your sins. Turn away from them. Ask him to forgive you and save you. If you want to find out more about that, more about becoming a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. Feel free to send me an email here to the program. I'm Rick Vincent. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Sports Network, Christian Sports Television. That's right, Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian Sports TV channel with programming from Pee Wee to the Pros, games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, Western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at RamSportsNetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart, and I get all sorts of pest problems, and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call Town & Country. They really are the best. They guarantee their work, and did I mention they're the best? Save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first. Don't waste your time on other companies. Town & Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that three is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. 
Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Once again, we wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving weekend. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Beyond the Game program. This next segment is from last week's show, November 19th, 2016. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. Benson and Barletta, mixing faith and sports. The Dallas Cowboys, Zach, continue to be a major disappointment. In fact, Tony Romo may be the biggest disappointment in Jerry World and what was quite possibly the biggest disappointment in his NFL career. The way the quarterback situation has been handled from the owner right down to the coach, the two principal players involved, Dak Prescott, Tony Romo, of course. Uh, I mean, we've been waiting all year, and with each additional victory that Prescott leads his team to, the potential only seem to grow. But where is the meltdown? Where is the implosion? (laughs) I know. I'm so disappointed. As a fan of the New York Giants, I've been looking forward to it with great anticipation. Redskins fans, Eagles fans, you guys know what I'm talking about. Are you kidding me? Nothing? No implosion? I know. It's the Cowboys. Nobody got arrested. Nobody got, you know, in a domestic violence situation or something. Nothing happened. Tony Romo looks like a good dude. With all parties involved, acting so professionally for the sake of the team, the Dallas Cowboys now seem poised to continue this magical ride that they're on. Now, they still face a fairly difficult stretch here. I guess they still have that to look forward to. They passed a great test last Sunday on the road in Pittsburgh, and which, by the way, was a great football game. Oh, that game was so much fun. Oh, man, that was fun to watch. After hosting the Ravens this Sunday, I think it is, they'll have the Redskins on Thanksgiving Day. Redskins are a tough team. Mm-hmm. It's a divisional game. They can't ever be overlooked. And of, speaking of divisional games, they still have to play the, both the Giants and the Eagles on the road. They have a game in Minnesota, and who knows which Vikings team they're going to get. Are they going to get the one that got off to winning their first five games? Are they going to get the one that's lost the last four? And they have two games at home with Tampa Bay and Detroit to round out. And both of those teams are pretty competitive teams, I, I, oh, I yeah. think. I don't think either one would be at the Cowboys level, but this is the NFL, and you have to be at your best every week. I don't think that they're going to come out of this stretch unscathed. They may even drop three or four of the last seven. But without the implosion I was looking for, uh, maybe they win five or six of them. Maybe they end up as the one seed in the playoffs. Uh Obviously, as I said last week, playing at home throughout the playoffs would be a big difference for these Cowboys if they want to go to the Super Bowl. And I still maintain that come playoff time, a veteran quarterback like Tony Romo would be a big help. I think Prescott could deliver the playoffs. I'm not sure about a title, not yet anyhow. But after Romo went all team player this week, disappointing thousands of Cowboy haters, uh, maybe with his support and guidance, maybe they can win it all. But I still don't think so. Moving forward, I don't think anyone believes Romo's going to be a Cowboy next season. He may be content to do his part, carry the clipboard for the rest of this year, but how long will he stay content? How long will he be happy to be Dak Prescott's backup? 
There are those who were questioning Romo's heart for the game after he seemingly sort of accepted the backup position behind rookie Prescott. And that's such a foolish sentiment to make. The Cowboys have won eight in a row, including that big road win last week in Pittsburgh. How could how could he do anything else but accept this? I mean, this run is, is a rarity. Romo's professional enough to know you, you can't upset things now. We talked about this on last week's show, and we said that the key going forward is going to be keeping everybody informed about what their roles are. Romo doesn't have to like being a backup, but he knows that's what's best for the team right now. I don't think it's it, it's the same thing at all as giving up or no longer having a heart for the game. We have a couple of clips from his speech. Uh, why don't you play that first one, Zach? He's earned the right to be our quarterback. As hard as that is for me to say, he's earned that right. And he has earned that right. Has anybody not named Ben Roethlisberger ever gone on such a run as a rookie? Uh, There was no doubt that Romo was sincere when he acknowledged that Prescott has earned the right to be the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. He was also sincere when he said that that he said he had Prescott's back and that, quote, ultimately it's about the team. I believe he was being sincere. If you don't have respect for Tony Romo, if you didn't have any for him prior to this, and you still don't have respect for him, you're just hard-hearted, man. There's something wrong with you. Tony Romo is being the consummate professional, and he's doing everything you would want from a teammate. But he also talked about how difficult this season's been for him, the season-ending injury that put him in this situation where he's lost his job. And let's be honest. You know, Zach, he, he didn't lo- just lose some job in a pizza joint where you go down the road and just get another mm-hmm. pizza joint job. I mean, Romo's may move down the road, but this was the Dallas Cowboys. He was the starting quarterback for the – is there a more marquee job than that? I mean, playing the most identifiable position on one of the most identifiable franchises in mm-hmm. all sports, that job doesn't come around all the time. Next year, if he's with the Jets, the Bears, wherever he ends up, so many teams being linked to, they're not the Dallas Cowboys. Romo admitted to being sad and feeling down and out. He talked about earning things. He said that in those moments when it's in those moments when you find out who you really are and what you're really about. You see, football is a meritocracy. You aren't handed anything. You earn everything every single day, over and over again. You have to prove it. That's the way that the NFL, that's the way that football works. And let me just take that a little further. There are many, many people all across our culture who are feeling sad, who are feeling down and out because they are trying to earn a particular place in society. They're trying to achieve some sort of image that they have for themselves that will bring them uh, some level of satisfaction. They're not content with who they really are or what they're really about because they don't think it measures up to the image which society has deemed to be successful. What makes this such an emotional trap is that real contentment, real peace is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. God designed man for fellowship with him, but our sins keep us from being who we are really intended to be and what we're really intended to be about, which is worshiping God the Father. But fellowship with God, being in a relationship with him, it can't be can't be earned. So many people try in vain to earn forgiveness of sins. They try to make up for it by doing good deeds or going to church or giving to a charity, being a good person. They try to earn it every day, 
but every day they 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 fail. Romans three ten says that there is none righteous, no, not one. Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross as a sacrifice to accomplish what we cannot earn for ourselves. God knew that man could not earn salvation, so God, out of his love, came to earth as a man for the purpose of dying for you and for me. It's it's just the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't earn it. If you're trying to, it's a hopeless cycle of desperation, just despair, disappointment. Tony Romo went on to talk about the desire for individual success. But that it's, he said that it's what you do as part of a team, something to this effect, what you do as part of a team that you remember most. Mm-hmm. And this speaks to what you and I have said, Zach, on a, on a number of times here. The greatest satisfaction comes from everyone on a team being involved, pulling their weight, fulfilling their roles. I mean, that's what makes the local church successful or not successful. Is Are people involved? Are they pulling their weight? I would ask all the listeners, are you involved and are you pulling your weight? Are you fulfilling the role which God has gifted you for? Or are you perhaps maybe envious of some other position? Maybe you're causing division in an attempt to put yourself out there. Romo said that. You have that clip I was alluding to. Why don't you play that? You know, I feel like we all have two battles or two enemies going on. One with the man across from you. The second is with the man inside of you. I think once you control the one inside of you, the one across from you really doesn't matter. He's battling Dak Prescott, obviously, for the starting quarterback job in Dallas. Chances are wherever he ends up next year will involve some sort, some level of competition, even if he's the perceived starter going in. But he knows that it's the battle within himself that he needs to get under control. When he accepts that situation for what it is, and it sounds like he has, then he can respond to it. Then he can begin to enjoy the peace that follows. Sure, it involves pain and hurt and disappointment and not being that guy, but it leads to peace. It leads to contentment when you finally accept it. Romo was torn up about losing the, the job, but when he accepted that that's the way it is, he's able to content himself being the backup. And who knows, maybe no longer battling himself on this thing. Maybe he finds himself lucky enough to be on a team that's involved in the Super Bowl. Every person has a battle within themselves. Our pride fights with the fact that we cannot earn our redemption from the cost of sin. Our pride keeps telling us, you know, you can do it. You can do it. We're destined for hell, but pride tells us to keep working and doing good things. And that's exactly the lie that the devil wants you to believe. Once man acknowledges and accepts the way it is, then peace can follow. In John fourteen six, Jesus declares that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man cometh to the Father but by me. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. Eternal life in heaven cannot be earned, and it cannot be found in anything apart from Jesus. But here's the good news. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus gave his life on the cross to pay for your sins, Zach, my sins, the listener's sins. He didn't stay in the grave. He rose again, defeated death. He ascended into heaven, and he stands there waiting to accept us into the family of God as a free gift, as an extension of his grace. 
And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and, and is saved. We need to admit that we are sinners. We need to admit that to God. We need to repent of those sins, and we need to ask God to forgive us and to save us. And, Zach, I know you've done that. I've done that. He has a free gift of eternal life. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's only by God's grace that he freely offers it through the shed blood of his son at the cross. And I wonder if perhaps God is talking to someone today. Are you at that point where you're able to admit that you are indeed a sinner in need of forgiveness? Then tell that to God. Place your faith and trust that Christ's death on the cross is sufficient for the forgiveness of sins. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to save you. If you want to find out more about becoming a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. Reach out to us here at the program. If this is spoken to you today, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for you. Send us a note. Allow us to pray for you. Be a great encouragement to us. I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. We'll be back right after this. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart, and I get all sorts of pest problems, and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call Town & Country. They really are the best. They guarantee their work, and did I mention they're the best? Save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first. Don't waste your time on other companies. Town and Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that three is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Wishing you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving weekend. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Beyond the Game program. This next segment was from just a few weeks ago, October 22nd, 2016. I like it. (laughs) Not usually your style, but it is certainly mine. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. We spoke earlier in a program about the NFL and its inconsistency in a number of areas, especially in the area of player discipline. You know, Tom Brady, again, I'm not defending. I just don't understand how he gets hit with a suspension for a quarter of the season while a guy like Vontez Burfick gets a minimal fine and, you know, no suspension despite the league acknowledging his unnecessary roughness. 
So before the season began, the New York Giants kicker Josh Brown was hit with a one-game suspension for domestic violence. It just it didn't sit right. The fact that the charges had been dropped, that there was no condemning video, you were you were left feeling like sort of like, well, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but deep down, something didn't feel right about it. And, you know, to hear the Giants' ownership say that they had all the information and felt comfortable re-signing him, uh, you know, just left me kind of con- conflicted, a little unsure what to think about. But what do I know? You know, they're closer to the situation. What do I know? Part of that is that the New York Giants have always been one of the classier organizations in, in the NFL. They've been stable. They've been run by the same family for years. I trusted that they had a good handle on things. But now with new information that came out this week, I can't help but wonder what the Giants knew and, you know, when did they know it? In documents released by King County Sheriff's Office in, in the state of Washington, Brown admits to horrific abuse against his wife, as now ex-wife, Molly. He says, I have physically, mentally, emotionally, and verbally been a repulsive man. I have abused my wife. And he gets even more specific. I have been a liar for most of my life. I made selfish decisions to use and abuse women starting at the age of seven to fill this void. I objectified women and never really worried about the pain and hurt I caused them. My ability to connect emotionally to other people was zero. My empathy levels were zero because I never handled these underlying issues of I became an abuser and hurt Molly physically, emotionally, and verbally. I mean, this is tough stuff. Mm -hmm. I I viewed myself as God, basically, and she was my slave. In another document, Brown labeled himself a porn addict, saying he viewed pornography on a consistent basis to manage my desire for physical contact. I I developed into a sexual deviant that viewed sex as a sport. His wife is on record saying that Brown uh, had threatened to kill her four or five times. I mean, you have to think that, and and listen, it's, this came out Wednesday. We're recording this program on Thursday. I suspect much will change before it airs on Saturday morning, but Mm -hmm. the Giants have decided not to take them to London I'm sure the NFL is reinvestigating. The Giants have a decision to make, but um, are you comfortable now knowing all this with a one-game suspension? You know, I'm not. The Giants need to fire him. They need to cut him now without hesitation before he plays another down, and, and probably that's what's happening with him not taking him to, to London for the game. They signed him to a two-year, $4 million contract. Yeah, I would have been okay with the one-game suspension and taking him back and stuff, except that the stuff that you read, he wrote a while ago, correct? Right. So he has known for a period of time that he had this problem. He even mentions in that document, this happened because I didn't handle it and I let it go. Well, he continued to let it go and not handle it, and it happened again. So... If he clearly knows he's got a problem, he does nothing about it. That's where he's in the camp now of he deserves whatever he gets, and I don't feel bad for him. I agree, and I think the Giants had to know this too. I'm a little surprised. They say they had the information and re-signed him. I, I'm sure we'll hear more about that, but signing him to a $4 million two-year extension, they they have to pay him. You know, mm-hmm. fire him, terminate him, but write the check. Get him the help, though that he needs help him help him find help to deal with his sickness it's easy for me to justify the the, cutting them the termination as you just said 
this information might be new to us, but he's known it. He knew the truth while he was fighting this one-game suspension way back when. He said in August he doesn't agree with the suspension, but he'd accepted it. I have exhausted the appeals process. You know, he made it seem like this one-game suspension was too severe despite knowing that in reality his mental abuse was no less horrific than Ray Rice's physical abuse. It's just that Ray Rice was caught on video. I, you know, I yeah, I think the Giants need to cut him for being intentionally and knowingly deceitful, but they also need to have the integrity to pay him, and, and they're obligated, and they need to be a friend by helping him find help to get better. And this is not uncommon behavior by many who suffer with a pornography addiction. Women become objectified. Uh, the sexual degradation just grows. Violence is often an eventual side effect to this. If you have an addiction to pornography, don't wait. Get help. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a friend. There are a number of faith-based organizations that can help. Places like triplexchurch.com. But get help before your addiction turns uglier. Studies indicate as much as 70% of American men regularly view online pornography. And as much as 30% of American women the staggering thing about pornography is that it's almost as prominent within the church as outside it. Mm-hmm. Some studies show that 50%, 50% of Christian men and 20% of Christian women regularly use pornography. Now, based on those numbers, almost certainly you know somebody and somebody listening is one of those people secretly addicted to pornography. I don't have the exact numbers, but there's a significant number of pastors and church leaders who are addicted to pornography. And it's obvious it's a tool of the devil to destroy families. And that's one thing I would say if you're listening and you struggle with this, as someone who's experienced it myself, that um, one of the side effects of a pornography addiction is that it, it causes you to feel alone and uh, ashamed and guilty and you feel like if you were to go to somebody about it that oh you would be humiliated and they would look down on you this is so commonplace and so widespread chances are somebody that you could go to talk to about this that you trust will not be shocked because it's so commonplace you are not the only one that's dealing with it first thessalonians five twenty two says abstain from every form of evil like adultery, fornication, homosexuality, incest, BCA, other forms of sexual immorality, the use of pornography is also a sin. Among the lists of sins, which are the works of the flesh, which is found in Galatians 5.19, sexual immorality is listed there. Jesus says in Matthew 5.28 that everyone who looks on a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Husbands, you may think to yourself that I would never cheat on my wife but if if you're looking at pornography then jesus says you already have get help and the same goes for you women hebrews 13 4 says that marriage is to be held in honor among all and that the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers god will judge that means for those of you who are single and using pornography it's fornication it's sin so biblically it doesn't matter if you're single or if you're married pornography is sin get help at some point you can no longer live in denial you need to repent you need to seek god's forgiveness forgiveness 
some would say that pornography is a victimless crime, but it, that's garbage. It's not. You know, both those who are featured in it and who are objectified through it, as well as those who are consuming pornography, are hurt by it. It's destroying lives. It's destroying marriages. It's destroying families. Yeah. Josh Brown's wife was very affected by it. And, and Josh Brown, too. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you're thinking that the urge is too strong, that the pull of pornography is too much to resist. But the Bible says that that's just not so. First Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation is overtaking you, but as such as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Listen, we have a problem in America with pornography. It is a sin that is destroying families. If you have an addiction to pornography, you need to know that you can escape it. Jesus Christ can break the bonds of addiction. Based on statistics, a significant number of people listening to this program right now, saved or unsaved, have are suffering with such an addiction. Get help. Join me in praying for Josh Brown and others like him. TripleXChurch.com can be a resource that can help. Your pastor may be a resource that can help. Perhaps a trusted friend or a family member, but your greatest resource in pr- is prayer. We, we need to pray for one another. We need to pray for those that are battling this awful addiction. And we need to pray for guys like Josh Brown. Prayer is one of the strongest resources we have. We're running out of time again this week. We had some segments we wanted to talk about, didn't get to it. I want to talk about You Like That. The title sponsor of Beyond the Game program is Town & Country Pass Solutions. Townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. The You Like That segment is where we take a moment to point out some of the good things people do. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. Recently, the members of Millican University football team decided to stay in his locker room during the national anthem as a united stance. This, uh, the previous week, several of them had taken knees, but the community was outraged, so they decided to just stay in the locker room. That is with the exception of Connor Brewer. Connor stood alone on the Millican sideline while his team was in the locker room honoring America. He, his family, his friends have all declined to comment about it, choosing not to become part of the ongoing dialogue about the anthem and these various protests. Connor Brewer's courage to stand alone for the anthem while his team remained in the locker room is what I like this week. You like that? You like that? This past week when the New York Rangers opened their season against the Islanders, my three-year-old daughter and my three-month-old son sat down with me and watched the game. Well, my my three-month-old son did that much of a choice, but uh, as a father, I've always looked forward to the day when I'd be able to sit and watch a game with my kids. I didn't think it would be this soon, but it was great. And uh, that's what I liked this week. What a great moment. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Townandcountrysolutions.com. Give them a call, 585-426-5024. Tell them Benson and Barletta sent you. For Zach, I'm Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be great this week, everybody. Everybody.